This podcast was recorded on the lands of the Wongal people and the Yagara Turrbal peoples. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Strap in. Buckle up. It's story time, folks. This is Australiana Rama. Warning, this episode contains some swear words. And bulls. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Maddie, hello. Jess, mate, we're How here. <laughs> uh, I've warmed up my muscles. I'm wearing my best zinc. Mm-hmm. I've got my best sporting whites on. And I've brought a friend as well. I mean, well, I've, name... done, I've done none of those <laughs> things, but I'm excited <laughs> to meet, meet your friend. Um... Yeah. I mean, Jess is having a glass of wine, but I've... <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I've been told I'm going to hear about cricket, so I am having mm. a wine. I've brought um, Tim Stanton from Sporting Woods. How are Hello. you, Tim? Hello. I'm, I'm, I'm tremendous. Um, thank you very much for having me on. We, we've got a fantastic topic. I'm so glad uh, we're going to be talking about this, Maddie. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Uh, we're just glad to have an expert in the room, to be mm. honest, because I've done my fair share of 2020 viewing mm-hmm. and I've gone to an occasional one day. Anything longer than that, it starts to go over my head a little bit. So we are glad to have an expert in the room. Mm. My brother is finalising his PhD about cricket umpiring, so I do know more than I'd like. <laughs> um, a PhD in umpiring. Wow. That cricket umpiring. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's about LBW decision making in elite level cricket umpires. Ooh, when in doubt, like, it's when not in doubt, out. it's not out. Yep, that's the the title of the thesis. Is it? <laughs> I was going to say, when in doubt, give it out because it puts the uh, option back in the players. Uh, responsibility. We're going to have to make it's to you guys do with decision making in the brain, but I really. You should talk to to Josh about it. We'll 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 we'll, we'll, we'll organise an off air meeting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I went to the final presentation. and It was very good. Oh, fantastic! <laughs> oh, I look forward to hearing about that. Actually, we'll have to just swap some details. Yeah. We'll uh, yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> cricket is the vague topic. The sandpaper gate incident is what we'll be talking about today, and mm. I have and Scandal. before. Yeah, before we get into it, I had a surprise question for you both. Oh, great. Um, you've done the Sydney Olympics. You've spoken about fizzy. This mm-hmm. will be the first, like, single incident that you really speak sports-wise. True. Correct. Do you think that, do you think, um, that cricket is that important to the national landscape, um, that it's something that you want to bring to the podcast, or do you just think it was an interesting story? Oh, I think it is, as far as sports go, like Australia's identity is very tied up with cricket. And when you think of cricket, like Australia is one of the major mm. players internationally. So I think it is a big thing culturally. And like But also I love cricket. a scandal. Oh, yeah. Mm, yeah, true, cricket. true. They're Socially, Christmas, Boxing Day, cricket mm. situation. To me, the sound of cricket on TV like signals a nap for me uh, because mm-hmm. I associate it with the Boxing Day test. 
just being on in the background yep. and I don't want to watch it and it puts me to sleep. Yep. It's very, very soothing, very comforting. Yeah, and I think everyone in Australia has a cricket story, whether it be, yes, at Boxing Day you've had too much for Christmas, you, you're ready for a kip. Or, yeah, I remember <laughs> listening you, listening to the, the ABC radio in the car, you know, with, with my parents growing up or something like that. I think what made this what this story made me realize personally, well, I already knew, but just more validated was the fact that, you know, this, this nation is many things and right at the forefront is that we are a sporting nation and cricket is at the forefront of that sort of notion um, because every single person seemed to have an opinion, a passioned opinion about what happened in this incident and, um, it was deemed a national disgrace. Yeah, true. Um, yeah, it was I such think, an international news story about yeah. our country. Yeah, <laughs> it, really, it really impacted our identity and people were so angry about it. Mm. People who don't watch cricket were angry about it and, that, and just goes to show the power of, you know, cricket and the importance that we put um, cricket on in this nation. Yeah, and I don't, I don't pay attention to any kind of sports news. I mean, if I can avoid it, but I do. I remember this <laughs> happening, you know. So it cut through even to me. See, yeah. I, I like my sport. I feel like we've got a good, we've got a good spectrum here. Mm. Like just, you know, you you appreciate it as a craft from a distance, but do not really partake. Oh, I, will, I would happily play cricket in the yard or on the beach if you. Right. I will. I will not go to a test match. Like you would have to <laughs> pay me. But like the Big Bash, like 2020, I have been to one of those and that was fun because there's mascots, there's pyrotechnics, they're just trying to yeet it out. <laughs> yep. Whereas uh, there's things happening. Test match seems like, because I've put this idea to Josh before that like a test match seems like mind games and then like 2020 is just like yeet, yeet, fun. Mm. Yeah. I, I think that's a fair assessment in under 20 words. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. All right, shall we get into the backstory? The more you dig into this story, the more sidetracks and, and little intricacies you get all about a bit of sandpaper on a cricket ball. Um, I'm ready. I'm the ready. Reason, yeah, the reason why um, ball tampering is such a you know, uh, taboo thing is, is it changes the physics of the ball. And so what... Um, fast bowlers are looking to get out of a, a ball in test match cricket is something called reverse swing. Now, everyone would have heard of uh, a shiny side and a rough side of the ball. Mm. I'm, I'm really hoping that that's something that <laughs> everyone knows. Just um, not. Looked yes. quite upset. I mean, if not. <laughs> some people may not know um, no. or care, but cricket balls, yeah. like they're shiny on one side, rough on the other. Well, yeah, they both start shiny, but the aim of the game is to have one side shiny and one side rough. Because the of reason physics. is, yeah, and right. the ball will swing towards the shiny side. So mm. if you have the shiny side on the on the left, the ball will swing towards left. If you have it on the right, it will swing towards right. What happens um, with reverse swing is that the ball will um, go on the other side, will swing away from the shine. Is that why they're always like rubbing it on their pants before they chuck it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the the thing about it is they want to try and rough up the side as much as possible, and that changes the aerodynamics of the ball. 
And also when the ball gets out of shape, that can also impact um, the cricket ball as well. So that, that it's all about, you know, the airflow and the aerodynamics. So you want a rough side to really highlight reverse swing. So that's the aim of the game in test cricket because a ball after a leather ball after 80 overs is so dull Mm. Um, it won't actually swing in the air or anything like that. So to try and keep one side completely shiny, one side completely fully rough um, is the name of the game. And so that that's the whole, and that's why teams push the button. You can see ball tampering in a number of uh, settings, um, but we might speak a bit about that later on. Um, so yeah, all right. So the background to the actual... Um, Sandpaper Gate incident is that we saw <laughs> uh, the whole thing just it, makes it, me laugh. Sandpaper Gate and like it, ball yes. tampering. It's just funny tampering. and fun to say. Yes. <laughs> it it goes all the way back to the uh, 2017 2018 Ashes series, and uh, we saw a young uh, cricketer, Cameron Bancroft. He moved. Uh, he was given his debut after a very successful Sheffield Shield season, um, the season before, and also leading into the Ashes. Um, People who and. If people don't know yes. what the Ashes is, colonialism. We versus England. <laughs> yes. How often the, does it the, happen? Every couple of years. Um, every two years. So, every two. um, every four summers in Australia, England and Australia will play five Test matches, um, and they play for um a very very small urn, tiny um, that is rumored to have the ashes of the first ever bales used in a Test match between England and Australia. Which are the things on top of the stump. That's correct. Correct. Thank you, Jess. There we go. Um, <laughs> Good um, one. So, one point so, to Jess. Mm-hmm. So Cameron Bancroft um, makes his debut. And also we saw Ben Stokes, uh, England's best player. He was actually left home due to being suspended from a late night brawl incident. CCT footage um, showed him king hitting a bloke uh, oh. outside a London pub. Um, so he was suspended. Um Fair. Tim Payne, yeah, yeah, yeah and, and fair, yeah. <laughs> um, Tim Payne was brought back into the side. Now, he's a wicketkeeper, so he's the guy that stands behind the back of the stumps with the gloves in the field. He does a bit of a squat. Um, that's him. Yep, mm. that's it. That's catchy it. guy. Mm. Yep, the catchy guy. Yep. Yeah. He, um, he has been, he was up until that point very unlucky with injuries over the past 10 years. He made his debut very young um, but fell out of the side due to a multitude of injuries um, and was given a reprieve, a recall. Um, and so he went, I think, five or six years without playing a test um, for Australia. He's brought into the side. It's an um, unfortunate last name for someone plagued with injuries. Well, well also, but he also came to prominence while the rapper T-Pain oh, was uh, oh, God. You know, doing all his gear. So so he was uh, in pain and in auto-tune. T-Pain. <laughs> <laughs> so colloquially known as T-Pain. And... Mm-hmm. Um, but Australia went into that series under a lot of pressure to perform. Um, the he- heavy reliance upon Steve Smith um, in the middle order. Um, England saw that as an opportunity. If we can get Steve Smith out, we can actually pull the upset here in Australia. So what does and- that mean? So Steve Smith, so is he, so is it, if he's playing in the middle, like they want him to just like keep, be like batting all day. Is that the idea? They don't want him to get well, out? For, for Australia, yeah. England yeah. were targeting Steve Smith, um, okay. saying that if we can get Steve Smith out without scoring many runs, we can beat Australia 
in a five match test series. Mm, that's, no pressure, that's Steve. Where, that was their that was their strategy. They knew that all the other batsmen were quite vulnerable and under a lot of pressure. Um, mm. But Steve Smith was in this historic purple patch, something Bradman esque on on that level where you know Don Bradman, any any um, cricketer that can be in the same conversation as Don Bradman. Um, is is Big the deal. highest honour in, in cricket. Steve Smith was on that sort of run heading into the Ashes and Australia needed him to be um, on that level um, for the entire series. And for, uh, for us, he was. Um, Australia won the Test Series um, in against England 4-0. Um, Steve Smith, he was man of the series. He scored 687 runs across the five tests and it was about it was about 200 runs more than the next best batsman across either side so that's quite good the, no, no pressure yeah, steve for the future no so he <laughs> he has now taken this he now you know is going on this monumental run something that we've never seen um you know in our in modern cricket um, and he's just completely dominating all attacks across the world. They went to India previously. Um, but the problem was all the other batsmen weren't performing. So they were still, after the 4-0 yeah. Test Series victory against England, there was still the notion that if you can um, get Steve Smith out early without scoring many runs, you can still beat Australia. So were they uh, just relying on one bloke, basically, to like really pull through? Essentially, yes. So, so throughout- the other, so the people who are on like the batting order or whatever after him, mm. like it's just progressively shitter. And are they good at really good at throwing the ball? And that's why they're on the team. Bowling, oh, no, I, I believe think, it's called. Like- uh, yes, that's right. <laughs> I think um, talent-wise, there was just a bit of a lull. And okay. so your batsmen, are, your batsmen are generally in the top six. Steve, Steve Smith bats four traditionally mm-hmm. in the fourth spot. Um, so you have your opening two batsmen and then a person that bats number three. Steve Smith was four. Um, the top order is the first three batsmen generally and the middle order, four, five, and six, had mm-hmm. all underperformed throughout that series. And it was only because Steve Smith was so much better than everyone else that it kind of negated the other problems. So his okay. success was negating yeah. all the other problems in the Australian batting side, in the batting lineup. It's like um, so, the Chicago Bulls when they only had Michael Jordan and they didn't have Scottie Pippen and Dennis Rodman yet. And it was just like, we're so, we're so close, but we have this one amazing guy. <laughs> and we just need we need bits and pieces make, around him to help him out. That makes that even less sense to me than the cricket example. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of people I, have watched I understand. He's very the last good dance. <laughs> in the middle. And the people at the end of the batting order, some of them may be hoping that they don't have to bat. Yeah. And even yeah. at the top of the order, <laughs> they were unperf- underperforming as well. Okay. So, yeah, it was it was this really heavy reliance upon one player to score all the runs. Um, was Yeah, it was, is essentially what other teams were targeting um, it, against Australia. And it was a massive weak point. And, mm. um so then we what will, happens after that? Like when everyone knows that that's Well, it's it's interesting. It's it's essentially up to all the other players to pull their weight and help to out. Learn to play cricket. Um, yeah, learn, learn to be better. <laughs> I mean, obviously you don't get to the point of being in the Australian Test cricket team without 
you know, a certain level yeah. of talent. I don't know. I've, I've got some questions. Who would think? Like, how can it be that? Anyway. Yeah. But it was just yeah. the difference between how good Steve Smith was and how much the, all the other players were underperforming. It was just such a juxtaposition at the time that you knew that if Steve Smith had a bad day, it was going to be a bad day for the entire team. Oh. And so they took all of that uncertainty over um, to a four-match test series in South Africa. Um, now, South Africa, uh, their conditions and their climates are quite similar to Australia. Mm. And, um, you know, when when Australia or anyone travels around the world, the, the conditions of the pitch are quite different. Um, but as, um, South Africa is known to be quite similar uh, to quite similar conditions to the conditions in Australia. So they mm-hmm. were hoping that, you know, having that five-match test series against England would help them uh, against uh, South Africa. The problem was South Africa had, at the time, one of, if not the best fast bowling lineups in test match cricket. And so we had Steve Smith, the best batsman in the world on this historic <laughs> run, up against the best bowling attack in their home conditions. And South Africa were Nothing very confident. Nothing can go wrong. Nothing can go wrong. South Africa were very confident of getting a series victory over Australia because they knew all the other batsmen were down on form. It was just Steve Smith. So if they could get Steve Smith out early, they would go on to win the series. What mm. a wild time. I'm pretty sure I was on that team. Like that's how this, <laughs> you know, I was towards I, I, the end. So I'm, it's like what I'm you're trying, trying to yeah. like psych out this one guy because I mean obviously obviously yeah. any bowler is throwing the ball really fast. Yeah. But so I mean I, I know they don't peg it, they do bowl, but like essentially just pegging it at him really fast and trying to psych him out. Yeah. Yeah. And Correct. um the big proponent that South Africa use is reverse swing. Okay. So they're they're good proponents of utilizing reverse swing. So Without going too much into the detail, we've spoken a little bit about the ball where it swings uh, with the shine and all that sort of stuff. It's also, there's a lot of technique in terms of wrist position and the way you hold the ball well. and all of that sort of stuff. <laughs> um, Go on. I, I, said it, I said it like that deliberately. Um, <laughs> but yeah, South Africa were the best proponents of reverse swing and being in their home conditions, um, that was certainly one of their strengths that they were going to use against the Australian side. Okay. Um, oh, and in recent cheeky spring books. Yeah, yeah. And in recent Is that what recent their name years, is called? Their, their team is called? Uh, their spring books? Their the national Proteus. animal is a spring book. Yes. Yes. I, so I knew their that. rugby team is spring book and their cricket team is the Proteas. Yeah. So it's I not think their it's some cricket sport name. Just... Hmm. Is it Protea? That's Protea? a plant, right? Plant, plant. Well, is it? Yeah. I thought I think it was. So. Oh, I thought they're. Oh, yeah. Look, I mean, we'll have we to get digress. the Australian Australia <laughs> fact checkers onto the case. Yeah. There. Sorry. Sorry. So, um, <laughs> I'll look at that later. I won't. Uh, we have yeah. a whole department for that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I knew you would. Mm. Um, it's just Heidi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the um, the the games and and previous series against South Africa have been quite heated, and there's been a lot of tension on the field. So that was an added layer of, um, you know, complexity or drama um, to to the series, to the upcoming series. A lot of verbals back and forth, um, you know, in the pre-match, in the in the lead-up to the series. Um, so, yeah. So, they're calling Before each the other se- names? 
or yeah, Steve, yeah, you're exactly. a dickhead. A bit of name calling. Yeah, yeah that's okay. right. You know, all that sort of stuff. There's, mm. um, you know, in, in the media press conference, essentially, you know, saying Australia's a one-man team and we'll win if Steve Smith gets, you know, is mm-hmm. we can dismiss dismiss Steve Smith early, blah, blah, blah. Um, and the series did get off to a, a, a very heated start and it got very personal very quickly. Um, in the first, in the very first test, um, there was an incident where um, Australia got a run out. So where the two South African players were running between the wickets from one end to the other. Yeah. Someone Australia throws a ball at them or uh, threw a ball at the stumps. There we go. Yep, and they were out of their crease, and so they, <laughs> they are given out. It's not dodgeball, babe. I don't know. know. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and David Warner, um, who f- will feature very heavily very shortly, mm, um, was mm-hmm. giving key protagonist. Um, yeah, was given um, giving Aidan Markram, the the player who was run out, a very big send off, a big spray, um, in front of cameras. You can make out exactly what he was saying, which we can't repeat on this podcast. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that and that actually led to an incident in the, in the dressing sheds, um, in the hallway between the two dressing sheds of Australia and South Africa uh, during the lunch, uh, during the tea break, um, not long after that incident happened. Another South African, Quinton de Kock. Um, yes, that's his name, Quinton de good Kock. One. Yep. Mm. Um, he he uh, has been alleged to have made a personal comment about David Warner's wife um, in in that sort of scuffle, um, and David Warner's absolutely blown up and um, had to be separated by uh, players and staff. And there's CCTV well, the footage. Word, yeah, yeah, you know it's a, and look, it's an allegation <laughs> of what was said, um, but you know anyone yeah, that makes but a you comment. Know. Yeah. Well, if he's already been called names on the field, like yeah, yeah, and they're all really bitchy, you know, it's cricket. I just love that it's a tea break and they're bitching. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) masculine sports, but it's like in a way, it's like oh, we're on tea break, but like your Mm. wife's shit. It's like (laughs) suck. You guys are all a bunch of softies. I'm sorry. Yeah, put your little knitted jumper well, high back on situation. and calm down. Anyway, high pressure situation. Well, this this actually turns out to be the tip of the iceberg, and this sets Naturally. that incident there sets in motion. Uh, you know, the most controversial moment in modern Australian cricket history. Um, so Australia, Australia win the test, the first test by five wickets, uh, quite convincingly. But um, as as the teams move on to the second test. Um, it was Martin, Martin controversy because, um, again, I have to sidetrack because this is what this incident has done. There's so many little sidetracks, so many incidents, so many little things in between everything. So um, I'm much more, that's interesting. I want to, you know, let us know the side, the side stories, the drama we we're here for it. And that, and that's what this whole thing is. Um, Former um, rugby league and rugby union player Sonny Bill Williams. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. Um, he he gets dragged into this uh, How? somehow. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, what do you so mean? a number of a number of South African fans actually wore Sonny Bill Williams masks into the stadium <laughs> as a taunt. Did uh, they make them? David Warner. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Okay. Um, you know, I'm, I'm everything... happier with that. I'd be worried if they're for yeah. sale. No, and um, <laughs> the reason why the South African fans did that was because Sonny Bill Williams and David Warner's wife, Candice Warner, uh, were Ooh. caught in a compromising position at the Clovelly Hotel, male bathrooms, in 2007. <gasps> well, 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 so well, over, well. Over 10 years ago, so when Sonny Bill Williams was playing for the uh, Canterbury Bulldogs, mm-hmm. um he had a, a night out and was caught with Candace Warner in a uh, in the men's bathroom. So, as a as a personal taunt, the South African fans oh. um, had had done this full campaign to um, get everyone to wear Sunny Bill Williams masks into the second test. Now, Cricket Australia, the governing body of Australian cricket, they were made aware of this social media push to try oh. and you know. Um, get these masks in. And Cyberbullying. Yeah, yeah, look, and it's not had, very nice, but it is funny. No, <laughs> they had um, they had asked Cricket South Africa to ban the masks from being worn because you know it's obviously you know there's you've crossed the line I think when you get into player partners and family. Yeah, and like what like is that. Candace? This yeah. is not you know she's not playing cricket. She and has poor nothing Candace to do with this. Mm. Is either in the stalls or at home, being like, "Oh man," <laughs> like, well, and like well, they she's might actually... have a perfectly happy <gasps> where marriage where this is fine. Yeah. You know, yeah. maybe. Well, maybe, this is yeah. This was over ten years ago when they weren't even together. So, like, ah, this is oh my God. This, this has nothing exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> Candace Warner, Warner, and the two door their two daughters are in <gasps> attendance at this the game. Daughters. Oh, God. And so as Cricket Australia had asked um, Cricket South Africa to do their best to ban the masks and everything like that because, you know, it's obviously offensive and there's family here and they're Well, they should all just have to go personally apologise to Candace, I think, yeah. and then she can kick him well, in the shins. Yeah, yeah. Well, what actually happened was there was um, Cricket South Africa officials Clive Eckstein and Altaif Kazi, and I want to name those people because – um, they are high-ranking <laughs> Cricket South Africa officials. They actually posed with fans who were wearing the masks inside the stadium yeah. and released them on their social media. That's gross. So uh. this this has now fueled the fire and the on-field is, you know, the off-field stuff is being brought on the field and it's being brought off the field. Tensions are at an all-time high. Um, and it's all it's very now, sticky, isn't it? Like... It's now personal. Mm. It, oh. you know, Put your balls away, boys. It's <laughs> all just, I have to say. And your masks. <laughs> Except keep your masks out now, please. Yes. But back now, then, put them now, away. Back, not your Sonny Bill Williams masks. Yeah. It's highly Although offensive. if you want to make yeah. a face mask with <laughs> Sonny Bill Williams on it, absolutely power to you. Go for uh. it. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, South Africa ended up winning the second test quite convincingly. Oh. But this is just opened the floodgates bet- of the blad- bad blood between both sides. Um, and that's where we all come to know the third test. Um, Australia, uh, were originally bowled out for, um, were bowled out for 255 after, after South Africa made 311 in their first innings. So that's not good. Not good for Australia. No. So so we're behind by 60 runs. So on the third day, um, Australia were trying to utilize, uh, reverse swing. Because mm-hmm. the the you know humidity and the conditions were ripe for it, and the commentators actually made a note that um, 
the ball was reverse swinging a lot earlier than it usually does. It takes a it takes a fair amount of time for the ball for one side of the ball to rough to get rough. Mm, it's not as if it yeah. happens. It's not as if it happens in the first hour. It's usually you know after about a good forty overs, so a good two and a half hours. Um, but the ball was starting to reverse swing after you know fifteen twenty overs. I can't remember the exact time on it, and they were noting that um, Australian fast bowler Mitchell Stark, um, who's our best proponent of reverse swing, was getting a lot of reverse swing. Uh, early on in the innings, mm. and so a lot of science in cricket. Mm. Yes, and so the commentators at the time thought that was quite odd, and they off air had asked the cameraman um, in the you know on the boundary to actually follow the ball because the commentators were suspicious that Australia was tampering with the ball <sighs> to roughen the ball up quicker, and what they found was. Uh, a cameraman picked up Cameron Bancroft with a suspicious yellow substance on the ball of which he put back into his pants. Mm. Well, well. And juicy. Well. It's fun that the commentators are onto it and then just like also don't straight away be like, hey, empty your pockets, boys. It's just well, like, no, is- we're going to get a cameraman to have a look. Yeah. So the images or the images were sent, you know, into the um, referees box, and the umpires uh, were notified of we've got it, footage of Cameron Bancroft with a um, yellow substance. Um, the umpires were to, uh, went over and questioned Cameron Bancroft. Um, he denied using anything, and um, instead showed them a uh, you know one of those felt sunglasses cases um, that he had in his pocket, and that's what he said that. They the thought it was. Dog. Yeah, and so completely denied everything. Um, they allowed play to continue, but the damage had already been done. The footage was there, um, mm. and this was in the middle of play. And um, at the end of the day, um, you know, the teams have a press conference. Both Cameron Bancroft and Steve Smith acknowledged that they had devised a plan to tamper the ball um, during the day's play. Why? Well, Do we know? Well, should we get wide, to that in a second? Okay. Yeah, I right. think I think it's important that we kind of understand the rules of ball tampering and what it all means. So mm. I think, Maddie, you've got in an expert. <laughs> I do. There is some very specific laws around ball tampering, and we've actually called in an expert to join us um, to explain oh, things a bit Josh. further today. Hello. Hello. <laughs> the big fella. <laughs> So the surprise is my little brother, Josh, cricket brother, um, who we were talking about you before. I refer to my brothers. It's like there's nurse brother and there's cricket brother. Um, tell us what your PhD is and then we'll continue. Um, I'm in the final stages of a PhD on decision making, um, specifically with elite level cricket umpires. Mm-hmm. Um, and even more specifically, looking at LBW decisions. Could you recite its title to us now? <laughs> yes, I can. Uh, when in doubt, it's not out. LBW decision-making in elite-level cricket umpires. Thank and, you for being here today, Joshua. And is it true that this has led to gainful employment? Yes, it has. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. So I am I'm now an, actually an academic, which is pretty cool. <laughs> 
as well as being a cricket umpire myself. So dumb, but congratulations. <laughs> Thanks, Jess. So um, Tim and I wanted to tee this up, one, as a special treat for Jess, but also for all of our listeners, we just really wanted someone to explain, an expert, if you will, to explain the laws around ball tampering because – if you don't understand them, you don't understand the scale and scope of the scandal. Is that right, Josh? I think that's spot on. Um, do you want me to jump straight into it? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, as I'm sure you're all aware, there's 42 <laughs> laws of cricket. Um, <laughs> and in cricket, we um, we don't uh, have rules. They're, they're laws, uh, mm-hmm. which is different <laughs> to other sports. <laughs> um, <laughs> The one that's most relevant for ball tampering is Law 41, which covers unfair play. Um, So there's so many different things in there. Um, But the two parts of the law that are most relevant for this is 41.1, which is the responsibility of captains, which basically Mm -hmm. says the captains are responsible for making sure all of their players um, follow the rules and play fairly. Okay. Um, Yep. So and that's actually covered in the preamble of the laws of cricket as well as throughout the laws. Um, and the other one is law 41.3, um, which covers the match ball and changing its condition. Um, and it, it goes from 41.3 to there's, there's many parts of this law, but basically... I can imagine. Because you yeah, said there's a preamble to the laws of cricket. Before there's the laws of cricket? Okay, all right. You are spot on, Jessica. (laughs) Um, It's where you sort of establish that it's supposed to be a gentleman's game and all these sort of old-fashioned things. Okay, continue. Absolutely. Um, So 41.3 covers all the things that umpires are supposed to do about making sure that the the ball is inspected regularly um, to make sure that there are no naughty changes to the ball, really. Um, <laughs> it also covers the things that the players are allowed to do to the ball. So oh, so that's the rubbing it on their pants. Yeah, they're allowed, you're allowed to polish it on your clothes, um, provided that you don't use any artificial substance to help with the polishing. Well. Um, you're allowed to remove mud from the ball, but only in the presence or supervised by an umpire. <laughs> Not allowed to do that by yourself. Um and you're also allowed to dry a wet ball on a piece of cloth, provided oh. that that piece of cloth has been checked by the umpires. Hopefully off camera. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sounds a bit intimate. <laughs> yeah. And with um, the COVID, they've also introduced some different rules. So at the time of the sort of sandpaper gate, um, they were allowed to use saliva on the ball. That's what I was going to ask. The they're allowed um, to spit on it. They were. Yeah. So under the laws of cricket, you are. But something that I've spoken to Maddie um, off camera is Mm. on top of the laws of cricket, there's also playing conditions that each different competition has. So they're like extra rules that that competition has decided to apply. Um, And in the case of this scandal, they were used under the International Cricket Council Test Cricket um, playing conditions which has some little bits that are slightly different um, to the laws of cricket. Are any of them don't so, be a grot, don't spit on the ball? <laughs> well, <laughs> it's not tradition. at the time. It's tradition. <laughs> How are you supposed to get the ball to swing, Jessica? God, don't That's you know That's not up to me. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there's a couple of things that differ between 
the laws of cricket and the playing conditions. So in the laws of cricket, if the umpires do think someone's changed the condition of the ball, um, if it's from the fielding side, they will go and replace it with a ball that was similar to um, what it would have been before they tampered with it. And they'll also award five penalty runs to the batting side. Do they just have a series of balls um, ready or does someone have to rough it up really quickly yeah. and then run back on? Yeah. Okay. They'll have a box of balls of varying age. And if one isn't quite right, they'll get one that's, they'll get one and they'll bash it on the ground and make it Mm. as, yeah. Um, It's actually one of my favorite things to see. The the fourth umpire running out with his box of balls. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And then them looking at it and being like, no, not that one. No, not that one. It's like being at the market. (laughs) Yes, picking out fruit. Yeah. It all just adds to the theatre. Makes it, it look really like does. you know what, what the ball looked like and really Yeah, just totally. <laughs> just weighing it up. Yeah. Mm. No, this um, avocado is riper than this yeah. one. <laughs> just listen yeah. to it, hold it up to your ear. <laughs> now, there's some slight differences with the international playing conditions of the penalties for changing the condition of the ball. So if the umpires think that the fielding teams change the condition of the ball, it's exactly the same as the laws of cricket. However, if they know exactly which player it was that changed the ball, there's an additional thing in the international cricket where instead of the umpires choosing the ball, they let the batter choose the ball out of the box. Um, oh, so the batter could, could choose like a really old dodgy one or a new one. They could pick any of them. Um, oh, that's which a is, petty I think little is actually rule. hilarious. That's fun. I like it. Because that's almost yeah. as good as like you get to like, you know, take someone's glove and like hit them on the head real quick and then run back and start batting. Like that would mm. be a good rule too. But this works in the same yeah. way. Yeah. It's like the time when I dropped one Malteser and my sister <laughs> ate it and I was like, that's mine. And so my nan gave me an entire additional packet. And she was like, this is fair because you now have the upper hand because of their mistake. <laughs> yeah. It's sort exactly of just like how it is. Yeah, adding exactly insult to thing. injury. Mm. <laughs> mm. Um, uh, on top of that, there's also um, the umpires are then required to report the player to the judiciary. But then there's different penalties on top of this for outside of the game. Um, Who's on the judiciary? So t- Bunch so of old dudes? You? Pretty much. It's no. Um, <laughs> Not yet. So they've got a panel of match referees who okay. are either ex international players or ex umpires who basically are like the judge, jury, and executioner, really. Um, there'll be one assigned to each game. Okay. Um, and then they, so in the case of the Sandpaper Gate, um, they handed down some sanctions to Cameron Bancroft, who was the, the player who was caught. Um, which I think he got 75% of his match fees. Um, and they also put down a, a heavier sentence on Steve Smith, who was the, the captain, um, because it's his responsibility to make sure these things don't happen. Mm. Um, and he was banned for one test match and fined 100% of his match fees. Ooh. How much would yeah. that be? Do you know? I don't know exactly, but it's probably around $20,000 would be my es- estimate. Um, I could be completely wrong. Um, so, yeah, so there's quite a few drastic um, consequences for doing this. Yeah, mm. I think Tim was actually about to step into some of that. Hey. Well, um, thank you very much for pointing out the fact that Steve Smith was only suspended one match by a cricket, World Cricket's governing body. 
um, because that's something that gets lost in the entire fallout of the incident. So Steve Smith, who didn't actually tamper a ball, but as a captain, you know, is deemed to be the responsible adult of the group, um, was not only fined 100% of his match fee, but also suspended one match. Mm. Back home in Australia, all hell had broken loose, where it was potentially or arguably the largest public outcry um, in Australian sporting history. Everyone who had a voice box had an, you know, had the opportunity to speak, had an opinion on um, the incident. Prime Minister at the time, Malcolm Turnbull, uh, personally phoned Cricket Australia to demand oh, the strongest God. possible action to be taken against all that were involved in the incident. It was the most um, proactive he was about anything. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> true. Because because of the public outcry, Maddie. This this is uh, this was yeah. a national a national mm. incident. It no, important. he didn't have to do a survey first for that public no, outcry. That's right. No, no, <laughs> no, he didn't. No, no surveys required. Um, oh, God. But, the, but the players were allowed to continue in the match. Um, but Tim Payne was installed as captain. So we mentioned Tim Payne, who hadn't made the yeah, Australian he was cricket injured team for ages. Injured for years and years and years. Brought back for the Ashes series. You know thrust into the captain of the Australian cricket team. Uh, an incredible story, something that I'm sure he he would have never thought that he would play for Australia again. He thought his time had come up. Um, he was well over 30 um, and, you know, the writing was on the wall for him. He got the lucky reprieve, played in the Ashes series and now, due to this incident, is the stand-in captain of the Australian cricket team. It was an incredible sort of side story uh, of resilience and hard work paying off and going about things the right way uh, in the midst of all the chaos, drama and chaos and illegalities uh, that were happening. So, yeah, it was just, again, another little side story, um, you know, that just makes this whole incident just mm. so bizarre. And he um, didn't know. It, he didn't know about the the ball fiddling tampering well (laughs) everything is still an allegation because uh i believe there may even be another investigation into this but um cricket australia did launch an internal review of the incident uh, and also a wider review of the culture within australian cricket um you know we see was it seen as this win at all costs mentality was it because of the all the personal battles the sunny bill williams masks the the verbals, the fights that happened in at the tea break, mm. you know, all of this stuff, was it a culmination of that? Um, should uh, Australian uh, Cricket Australia hand down uh, greater sanctions than what the International Cricket Committee did um, because they've brought disgrace to the nation? Um, all these things were up for, up for debate and up for talk. Um, after the third test, um, Smith, Warner and Bancroft were sent home um, and Cricket Australia charged the three players for a breach of Australia's uh, Cricket Australia's code of conduct. So not only the laws of cricket and all that sort of stuff, um, Australian Cricket Australia's code of conduct section 2.3.5 reads, uh, engaging in contact that was contrary to the spirit of the game, unbecoming of a representative, harmful to the interests of the game, and or which brings the game into disrepute. 
Well, I reckon they probably did. Yeah, that is what they did. All of that. (laughs) Uh, I I think think um, it's the old be good or be good at it. And that's the thing that is really funny to me about this whole situation is I mentioned like if the umpires think that the condition of the ball has been changed, they can replace it. In this incident, they actually didn't change the ball because the umpires oh didn't God. think it had been changed enough. Yeah, yeah. It was like Cameron Bancroft got caught trying to change the condition of the ball, but he wasn't even successful at that. Yeah. And so that that was the point. They they showed the footage of him with the yellow tape or whatever it was, and then when the umpires came over to ask after the, after they got the tip off from the cameraman, uh, he showed them the the felt sunglasses case. So it was kind of just like left at that, but obviously off the field, everyone was seeing it and all that sort of stuff, and it just escalated to the point where they had to make a statement after the game, and that's where they admitted that they were attempting to tamper with the ball. And then they didn't even do it good enough for, like, the umpire to kind of, oh, man. Mm, well, yeah, are they just, like, dummies? <laughs> I mean, yes, obviously, but, like, are there other – would other people do this and be better at it and no one has known? Yeah, I mean um, – Maybe? We don't know. There's, there's Josh surely. Is not, yes. Surely. There's, <laughs> there's countless, countless Josh uh, nods ways on the that podcast. you could go about it. Um, sunscreen is, a, is always a good one. Um, uh, breath mints and lollies um, in the mouth, even um, like barley sugars um, to keep the shiny side extra shiny. Mm. Oh, um, so because your yep. spit's like full yeah. of sugar. Yep, yep. Um, Gross. With the so the the four pieces of leather are Smell held are uh, uh, you know sewn together and are held together by a seam. Um, so people are known to hack at the seam because if it's uneven, it will create uneven bounce. Um, there's been an incident where a Pakistani cricket player has bitten the ball <laughs> um, in one of the most brazen. Well, obviously someone saw that. Attempts. Yes, it was. He didn't even try and hide it. It was just there for everyone just to like see. Just like an apple. Yeah, a hundred percent. Exactly like that. Um, so there's many ways to do it, but uh, there's there's some. Uh, more subtle ways of going about it as well. Um, There's even a case in first-class cricket in Australia where either a coach or a manager, I think it was from Victoria, as a ball's been hit out of the ground and as he's picking it up to pass it back to the players, he's just scraped it along the cement (laughs) on camera and got caught straight away. (laughs) It slipped. So if you could think about what you could do to tamper a ball, I think it's been done. Interesting. Well, I know what I'll be doing in my next lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> Finding new ball tampering strategies. Shady. So we had shady boys. Yeah, that's right. We had, yeah. um, so the review, the findings of the review were that David Warner uh, was found to be the responsible party for developing the plan to tamper with the ball. Uh, Steve Smith was found to have known about the plan but failed to take steps to prevent it, um, told Bancroft to conceal the sandpaper and misled match officials and made misleading public statements regarding to the nature, extent and participants of the plan. And Cameron Bancroft was found to be the player that carried out David Warner's instructions, concealed the sandpaper and misled match officials on the, on the field at the time of being questioned. And not only that, and again, another sidestep to all the different sidesteps of this one little bit of sandpaper, um, Australian cricket coach Darren Lehman was also um, under investigation because footage had surfaced of Lehman 
Um, getting on the walkie-talkie to the 12th man, Peter Hanscom, who is on the sidelines, after the image of um, the yellow substance being shown on the big screen at the game, um, telling uh, Peter Hanscom, or may or may or may not have been telling Peter Hanscom to get out on the field to notify Bancroft that they had images of him with the sandpaper. So, again, another level of deceit and cover-up from the Australian national coach. Um, mm. So everyone's got their little sticky fingers in this and it just was just unbelievable watching it in real time as a cricket fan and seeing how everyone was intertwined and how everyone, high-ranking people, just let this happen. Um, it was just incredibly disappointing. Yeah, fellas, it, I'd like to, fans. like, just quickly before... Yeah, you go, Jess. I was just going to say, boys, as as cricket fans, how did this all make you feel? Did it diminish your love of the game? Um, for me, it did not do that. It definitely <laughs> made me <laughs> that regret, would be hard. Made me regret being the resident cricket fanatic at, at my university because <laughs> everyone was asking me for my hot take uh, on, the, mm, on the thing, and just like we are now. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I'm I'm here for laws of cricket only. Um, <laughs> I mean, it, it was disappointing for me at the time because you, with the bowling attack they had at that time, they didn't need to cheat. In mm. my opinion, they they could have, um, you know, they could have won fair and square. But that's my two cents. Yeah, oh, I don't yeah. I don't disagree. Um, I had people who never speak to me at work about anything, walk up to me as soon as I walk in and say, what do you reckon about the Australian cricket team? And what do you reckon about the sandpaper? Uh, that happened for weeks because this was an ongoing ongoing issue. Um, oh, I, it, it, never made me, it never made me wane on my support of the Australian cricket team. Absolutely not. Um, but it was incredibly disappointing to think that, you know, we, we do put these athletes on such a pedestal and, and particularly cricketers in this country um, to the point of hero status. You know, I just went on for a, a good half an hour about Steve Smith going on a run similar to what Don Bradman did. Like that's the level that we were had in our minds of Steve Smith and for him to, you know, essentially lie by omission, by not, by knowing about it, but not, taking an active part and, and turning a blind eye to it. I think that was the more, that was the worst thing for me. Mm. I also think there was those mitigating circumstances that we've mentioned the whole, the first test with the punch up in the, in the dressing sheds, the Sonny Bill Williams masks, um, you know, all of that stuff I think played a huge factor into the, de- the decision to um, cheat. Um, yeah. Cause things got spiteful clearly. Very, and like South Africa and Australia are always competitive as well. Like yeah. we've got a similar energy. Yeah. <laughs> and, we? and the, the fact that um, all three players got uh, suspended by cricket Australia significantly greater than anything. The international cricket committee did uh, just went to show how, how much importance we have on our national athletes and our national cricket team. Um, you know, Steve Smith and David Warner were suspended a year. Cameron Bancroft suspended nine months. Uh, only Steve, I, I think from memory, only Steve Smith, he was the only one that actually got suspended by the International Cricket 
council, the governing body of cricket, and it was one match. Yeah, that's not much but at be- all. Because of the public outcry, because of what it meant, you know, in this co- what it means in this country, they were suspended by their own uh, entity, um, far far greater than anything that the international uh, committee were able to do. So I think that also leads into it. And it seems uh, like well. it's like way worse than just kind of like, you know, yeah, having a pick at the ball or like rubbing it on the ground because you literally brought in. <laughs> <laughs> a weapon mm, to, to file yeah. it. It's like yeah. you're literally bringing something in that's clearly not allowed. Like mm. there's just an extra level of, oh, I didn't just think about it in the moment and I was being G'd up in the moment. It's like, no, you actually planned this out yep. and then you executed the plan. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Yep. It's meditation. <laughs> yeah. It, Malice it's, of it, forethought or whatever it is. Yeah, because yeah, like the whole yeah, like yeah. Australian. You would know. Australian, <laughs> like Australian male myth. I guess there's all like like mateship and sportsmanship is like really important and like these boys have not done that. So they've mm. disappointed the myth, I guess, and embarrassed themselves yeah. and then people are not having it. And also they get, they get paid a yeah. lot. So to, I guess to wrap up, Tim, like what, where does this leave us now? As do you think we've moved now? on or do you think people, like if COVID wasn't a thing and we were still kind of, being able to go in, you know, and travel internationally, which obviously they're playing internationally. But if we were able to be in audiences, crowds, I mean, um, <laughs> like, do you think people would still call us cheaters and stuff like that? And Josh, well, I'd we like ha- to hear your opinion too. Yeah, we have seen it um, when Australia went over to England for the Ashes um, in 2019 after David Warner and uh, Steve Smith and Bancroft all served their uh, sentences. The time. Yep, and um, it was brutal to say the least. The English crowd uh, never let up for the entire series. Um, But to their credit, Steve Smith came out and I think he was even man of the series um, in the the Ashes, scored a century on his first test match back uh, from the suspension, um, as, you know, true champions actually do. Um, (laughs) But he will always have that asterisk on him forever. Um, yeah. You know, we were, we were prior to this incident, he was on, on a level with Don Bradman in terms of what he was being able to achieve on the cricket pitch. Um, and now he'll forever have that asterisk. Um, David Warner, he, he's always been a bit of a, you know, differing of public opinion. You know, you either love him or you hate him. I don't even know anyone that actually loves him. Or um, you wear a mask of his wife's ex-lover. Yeah, that's right. Um, so yeah, I mean he's he's still at the top of the order for the national side. So it's almost a bit of status quo. But Tim Payne uh, is the story for me. He him being brought in as a leader, uh, as a captain, being thrust into the position um, has led Australia through a very dark time where we did actually really struggle without Steve Smith. Like I mentioned the whole time, um, you know, if you get Steve Smith out, you will beat Australia. Well, if he's not even playing. Um, you know, you've got a very good chance of beating Australia and, and we did suffer some very tough times. Um, but I think overall they came out of it better and a lot of it has to do with Tim Payne, uh, for me. And I think he is the lost story in all of this. Um, he's the good guy of Australian cricket. Um, and I think he needs to be celebrated more for, for what he's 
uh, achieved and what he's had to go through in this really tough time um, for Australian cricket. Um, what, have you sent yeah, him an as, email as, or something, Tim? Let him know that you care. I was going to say, T-Pain, no, if you're listening. No. T-Pain. Like, I mean, yeah. I, honestly, I, I think a nice it's a email. story that doesn't get enough credit. I yeah, think he'd be I'll, delighted maybe I to hear it. Yeah. yeah. From yeah. one Tim to another. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, so if there's any good to come of the story, it is Tim Payne. I um, agree with everything you've said there, Tim. I think the thing that I've enjoyed the most of the post ball tampering is is some of the crowd sledging like um there's a story of a young south african in the next game ask some of the australian players to sign a piece of sandpaper and i just thought that was just the funniest thing um but yeah completely agree yeah because that is what i was gonna ask like do you think like the ongoing like heckling is because of real anger or because heckling is and has always been really fun or is it both option b Bit of both, surely. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's more now that, like, you know, it's 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 almost we're approaching four years post. Yeah, the enough times mm. passed a little bit, yeah. but surely yeah. straight after the thing, it would have been a bit of a. Oh yeah, mm. <laughs> most, creative most sledging. It's part of the game. Oh, absolutely, and there's no more creative sledges than the uh, the English. So they went straight into enemy territory and absolutely copped it from all angles. Um, but Australia was able to come away and uh, tie the series and retain the ashes. So, um, you know, there's there's redemption stories all around. And as we know, in Australia, we love a good redemption story. It's true. Uh, well, I have definitely learnt that it was far more entangled than I realised. Oh, yeah. Mm. So thank you. Yeah, I was kind of knew like some naughty boys were doing things to a ball like in cricket and that's and that was bad now i know more now i know their names yeah mm. it was it was such just... a nuanced take <laughs> yes yeah this is my podcast so you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> the um but i overall i think the whole incident shows that cricket is our national sport everyone had everyone knew about this everyone had opinion about this this was a one national news um, and we do hold these athletes in such a high regard um, that when they do let us down like this, they do get heavily scrutinised. So, um, yeah, I mean, I yeah, mean Malcolm it, Turnbull himself. It's an yeah, exactly. Get get the PM on the line, but it, it you know whether for good, for better, or for worse, that that's what cricket is for this nation. I, to me, it's for the better. We all have a story about cricket. Um, Jess, you said even just in the backyard or or on the beach or listening, you know, and it's nap time. You know, everyone's got a story that revolves around cricket, whether it's a childhood one or an adult one. And I think Mine will why... now be every time I use sandpaper. Yeah, there I you think go. of cricket. Yeah. And everyone's got that story and that's why it's so important uh, in our culture as Australians. Wow. wow. Amazing. Like we didn't even get to the press conferences and like Candace Warner knocking out Roxy Jasenko on – reality television like there's so much that we didn't even get to just as a quick note did she punch her in the face what happened yeah so oh so david warner we need to hear that yeah Yeah, okay okay Okay. yeah david warner you know they all had their press conferences when they came home and steve smith and cameron bancroft expressed that they you know they've let australia down and they've failed the community and they're going to be better human beings and all of that sort of stuff David mm, Warner mm. took a totally different approach. Um, he waited three days uh, for 
the press conference, to have a press conference after he landed in Australia, after being sent home. Um, the Warners uh, friends were friends with uh, PR consultant uh, Roxy Jasenko, who advised them to delay press conference um, and let the others speak and then let Warner have the final say. Mm. Um, so there's mm-hmm. an iconic image of Roxy uh, comforting uh, Candace Warner uh, in in the background of the press conference that Warner had. And Warner essentially just had the politician's answers like, you know, I'm sorry that it happened and, you know, I'm, I'll do better next time kind of thing. It was very more deflective, didn't necessarily take the responsibility as Bancroft and Warner did. Um, and a lot of people left with more answers, uh, questions and answers. Um, and then the sidebar to that is, you know, it created a bit of tension between Roxy and Candace Warner. Um, and they both went on that reality television show, SAS Australia, uh, last year in 2020, where oh they, all the celebrities get, you know, put through their paces and do celebrities all Celebrities in inverted commas, but continue. Yes. Yeah. Oh, of course. Yes. Oh, it's, it's a podcast. So, you know, I, I can't do inverted commas. Um, <laughs> And one of the tasks early on in the in the competition was um, the contestants actually had to go into a full-blown boxing match with gloves and everything, one-on-one. And Roxy and Candace Warner were oh my God. pitted against each other. And Candace Warner is an elite athlete. She is a multi-time Iron Woman champion. She is a, Same. an athlete in her own right. <laughs> and... <laughs> She, Why are you laughing, guys? No, I'm not. I'm not. I was pressing forward. Yeah, thank you. Um, she she essentially knocked Jusenko out, and Jusenko took that personally. And now <laughs> they're no, and like now they're no longer friends. So they were already, you know, on a bit of bit of a troubled path because of the outcry of why why did they delay the press conference? Why was he giving cookie cut answers and not? being honest, like Bancroft and thing. And that mm. all came back to their consultancy with Jusenko. And then two years later, bang, they're, they're literally punch-ons on national television. Warner goes full pelt. Roxy was not expecting it, gets knocked out and uh, takes personal offense to that after being punched in the put, on the show, put on the show of SAS Australia. Um, yeah, so they're no longer on t- talking terms. Wow. So like, From like sandpaper just... to concussions, hey? Mm. Yep. I mean, side An stories Australian after story. side stories. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. uh, yes. Awesome. All right. Well, but yeah, this is great. Um, thanks so much for joining us, Tim. Um, where can our listeners find more of your voice talking about well, sport? <laughs> um, they, can, they can find us at Sporting Woods. So Sporting Woods, spelt as it sounded. Um, and you can find us uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, if you could uh, give us a listen, give us a review, uh, that'd be tremendous. Um, we're also on Instagram at Sporting Woods Podcast. Um, we do a little bit on there, and you can also find us on Twitter at Sporting underscore Woods. Amazing. Great. I'm going to think about you every time I use sandpaper now, Tim. Thanks. Please. <laughs> Likewise. <laughs> Amazing. Good. I'll have to find something to sand. I mean, I've got some cricket balls out there. <laughs> I walked right into that one. Right. As always, you can follow us on Instagram at Australianorama or chuck us an email at australianorama at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. It's very cute. And next week we're talking about maybe my favourite subject, the big pineapple. 
and we have a special guest, Michelle Law, is going to come on and talk Very about the exciting. big pineapple as well. Mm. Fellow Sunny Coast gal, she has some strong feelings. Which I look forward to hearing. Yep, super keen. Long live the big pineapple, the end. See you there on the train. <laughs>